That's right, folks. Welcome to episode 130, and yes, I am back from my brief little vacation down to Atlantic City. Thank you to the Boulevard Bullies for filling in for me last week, episode 129. I did notice it took two men for Green Man to replace me, and not for nothing, they did a great job. So if you want to hear Green Man and the Boulevard Bullies getting drunk off their asses, rambling on about nonsense, go back, check it out, episode 129. That was last week. Let's get into it this week. This is our SummerSlam show, the biggest party of the year. I made it back just in time. But let's start the show off like we always start the show off with our wrestling replay. August 14th, 2011, SummerSlam, brought to you by 7-Eleven. Your boy here at Michael J. Putty and the Green Man were in attendance at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. We were a part of a crowd of 17,404. We saw John Morrison, Kofi Kingston, Rey Mysterio defeat R-Truth, The Miz, and Alberto Del Rio in 9 minutes, 36 seconds. Mark Henry defeated Sheamus. Via countout in 9 minutes 22 seconds, Kelly Kelly defeated Beth Phoenix to retain the Divas Championship in 6 minutes 33 seconds. Wade Barrett defeated Daniel Bryan in 11 minutes 47 seconds. Randy Orton defeated Christian in a no-holds-barred match to win the World Heavyweight Championship in 23 minutes 43 seconds. WWE Champion CM Punk defeated WWE Champion John Cena to win the Undisputed WWE Championship with Triple H as special guest referee in 24 minutes and 7 seconds. Didn't last too long because Alberto Del Rio came back and cashed in his Money in the Bank contract to defeat CM Punk to win the WWE Championship in only 11 seconds. That was SummerSlam 2011. That was the third stop in me and Green Man's trip to do all four pay-per-views that year. We went to Royal Rumble in Boston. We went to WrestleMania in Atlanta. SummerSlam in LA. And that year because it all started with Survivor Series being at Madison Square Garden. 2011. That was seven years ago. It was crazy. A long time ago. That was a great show for me because that was a show that cemented me as a John Cena fan. Mainly because they had no other shirts of my size. There was no Zack Ryder shirt. There was no Miz shirt. I forgot who, who else there was. But the only shirt they had in Michael J. Putty's size was a John Cena shirt. The red one. So I rocked it. You can't just buy the t-shirt. You got to buy the wristbands as well. So here I am. Seven years later. Looking back on the moment. I became a John Cena fan and I have not regretted it. Nor have I looked back. But anyway, like I mentioned earlier, Bullies were here last week because I was down in Atlantic City scoping out the venues for Boardwalk Beatdown. Also, I could have probably done it this week. I probably could have done it when we went down there. But, you know, I just wanted to, an excuse to get away. So I dotted the I's, crossed the T's, checked out the venue to scope out our location, how we can do the setup, because there's outlets. Because we need fucking outlets. We got to plug shit in. Went down with a friend of mine, 
Met up with somebody from the Podbean offices, so shout out to Scott over at Podbean. It was a good time. You know, great chance to get away and blow off some steam. Night one, we get down there. Of course, it's a long trip. It's kind of tiring, but we get over. We get down there. And I went with a friend of mine who I've been to Atlantic City with before, but you just forget that he's not a drinker. He's not a gambler. He's not a partier. So kind of suck the fun out of it, suck the energy out of the hotel room. I'm like, you know, I'm away from my life. I'm on vacation. Let me, let me YOLO and enjoy myself. So at 9 o'clock when he fell asleep in bed, your boy at Michael J. went down to the bar, got a couple of drinks, played some roulette, played some slots, played some three-card poker, and I ended up walking away with, uh, I think it was 200-something. I posted it on Instagram. I think it was like 200-something dollars from the slot machine. So I had to celebrate by going off to Mrs. Fields, get some freshly baked chocolate chip cookies, went back to the room, drank a little bit more, and that was night one. Day two, I went check out the uh, convention center, the spacing, where we're going to be. Beautiful. Can't wait to get there. It's going to be awesome. Boardwalk beatdown. Had some conversations with those folks over at Standalone, including Chad Mines, who was gracious enough to be here for three weeks in a row, detailing and breaking down every aspect of Boardwalk beatdown. So if you guys aren't excited about it by now, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. Check your pulse. So I think it was all said and done. Everything was worked out. Went over the layout, the events, the schedule, a boardwalk beatdown. Went back to the room, got changed, went out to dinner. A friend of mine, he wanted to make up for night one. So he went hard body drinking, pounding back beers, doing some shots. He was raring to go. Now he eats. Now he's tired. He goes back in bed, falls asleep again. This is my life. Okay? Uh, I wake him up, try to wake him up. He doesn't want to drink anymore. And he was ready to go. He was fucked up. He was ready to party it up. But no, now I got back the tired, sober, just wants to go home, friend of mine. I give him 20 bucks to go gamble. He loses it. Uh, but he sits with me to watch me lose my money in three-card poker. It was just a... Uh, go down to Atlantic City to party, get away, don't go with a straight-edge guy. Oh, jeez. You need the green man. Where's green man in Atlantic City? Oh, that's the opposite end of the spectrum. Be careful what I wish for. I'll find out in two weeks. Oof. But man, oh man, the best part about going to Atlantic City was fucking Roy Rogers. Man, Roy Rogers is the best. But I got a burger. I got the fucking french fries. I didn't have curly fries, but curly fries snuck into my fries. It was fantastic. The biscuits, the chicken. I didn't have the chicken, but chicken is awesome. I got the french fries. I usually like the french fries and mashed potatoes, but I got the fucking carb overload. I'm not fucking running the marathon. Why do I need all the carbs? I'm going to fucking sit on my ass gamble. So I, I opted not to get the mashed potatoes. Regretted it, but it, it was for the best. So everyone listening to my voice who's going down to Atlantic City for boardwalk beatdown, do yourself a favor and stop off at a rest stop for Roy Rogers. You will not regret it. And tradition, coming back from Atlantic City, my friend and I always stop at Denny's, which is always a home run. Denny's is awesome. Started the trip with Roy Rogers, ended the trip with Denny's. In between, Jack Daniels nonstop. Great fucking weekend. Great, great weekend. I cannot wait to replicate it in a couple weeks for... What was that event? I don't know if I mentioned it. It's, um... Yeah, well, yeah. Boardwalk Beatdown in Atlantic City. And for some reason, you can't make it. Well, we got you covered here at a Shot of Wrestling. A Shot of Wrestling on Instagram and Facebook. Shot of Wrestling, no A on Twitter. Yes, Green Man, people use Twitter, okay? Twitter! Oh, Greenman ignores Twitter all the time. I tell him he's finally starting to post on Facebook, but he's ignoring Twitter. So if you check out Shot of Wrestling No A on Twitter, you can see what I post because Greenman has yet to touch it. I don't think he has a fucking password. Uh, anyway, way off topic. Rant over. We are getting ready for SummerSlam. The fourth year here in Brooklyn, right next door. And we started off our SummerSlam weekend Friday night by going to the Dolph Ziggler and Friends comedy show, the world-famous Carolines in Times Square, Manhattan. Went in by myself. Because Green Man and Jeff the Intern went to Joey Janela's Lost in New York. Been following Green Man on social media, following the shot of wrestling on social media. It was a great show. Everyone who went there 
had nothing but rave reviews for it. We were talking to a couple of people online at Caroline's who were there, and they said the same thing. It was a great show. We had Sandman, Hakushi. You know, it was great wrestling, top to bottom. And Greenman also went there to scope out the Melrose Ballroom because that is the home for Bound for Glory in October. Beautiful arena, he says. Looking forward to getting my tickets for Bound for Glory. Or if Impact Wrestling needs an official podcast, let us know. Inbox at ShutterWrestling.com. We'll cover you top to bottom as a professional journalist that we are. And Greenman. But anyway, we're at Caroline's. We're running to AJ Pan from Pan Corp, from BCW. Of course, Greenman's the PCA guy. There was no members of Federated there for me to chum up with, so I talked to fucking the intern. And of course, it's 12 bucks for a Jack and Coke. Fuck you, Manhattan prices. The host was Renee Young. She started off the night. Brought some guy who works with WWE, part of the Friends of DZ and Friends. He came out first time doing comedy. A lot of people were, were doing comedy for the first time that night. So he told us not to take pictures or videos because people were nervous. They wanted to get their feet wet. So everyone respected that. This guy was good, but I was so excited. Not only for Charlie Caruso, this beautiful, beautiful Charlie Caruso, but Zack Ryder was going to be there as well. Of course, Zack Ryder, great friends with Dolph Ziggler and The Miz, probably, and John Morrison, I think it was the four close friendships we got there in the WWE. It was announced that Dolph Ziggler would not be in attendance. Dolph Ziggler backed out, checked on his social medias. He went to a wedding somewhere. I clicked the person who was getting married, and it turns out, ready for this, he's friends with Zack Ryder and my brother's ex-girlfriend. Oh, was my brother's ex-girlfriend in the same room with Zack Ryder? Could my brother have been in that room? I'll never know. There's no pictures. The bitch hasn't been fucking active since 2014. Again, apologize. I digress. My man Scott Stanford comes out from Pix11 here, sportscaster and news anchor, who I often tweet jokes to and he uses on air. So you're welcome, Scotty. Never gives me credit, though. Ty Dillinger came out. The Iconics were there. Tyler Breeze was there. Hornswoggle. Replacing Zack Ryder. The Miz. So yeah, I couldn't complain too much because The Miz killed it, as one would expect, because The Miz is, you know, awesome. He can do no wrong. Act. I'm sure he can sing too. Next time, hope we run him into at the karaoke bar. No, I'm sure the Miz is awesome. Miz is great. Miz killed it. Everyone killed it. Charlie Caruso was great. Who else? I'm missing. I'm missing some other. Oh yeah, the big surprise guest, Tommy Dreamer, was there, and he had everyone cracking up. And it was just top to bottom. It was a great night. Dolph Ziggler ended the night, of course. The long set, because he's the comedian of the group, and he did a great job. Everyone did a great job, especially with their first time doing stand-up comedy. It was the Miz's first time. It was Charlie Caruso's first time. I'm not too sure about Scott Stanford. You can't tell because he was awesome. But it was a great night. Hope to do it again for WrestleMania. So definitely buy tickets for that. Definitely do the meet and greet. At the end of the night, they did a Q&A. Charlie Caruso left. Scott Stanford left. The Miz left. It was just whoever was left. Green Man came up, of course, because he's painted green, bringing a fucking green mohawk. He asked a stupid question. Everyone boos him. Dolph Ziggler makes fun of him. Great way to end the night. Okay? Poor drunk Green Man. He thought he had a great question. He had a great question about All In. Everyone's laughing at him. They boo him. Dolph Ziggler make fun of him again. Eh, it was awesome. You had to be there. You had to be there. And hopefully you're there next year. Hoping they do that for WrestleMania. Because you have to. You're in New York City. You got to do it. Come on, Dolph Ziggler. DZ and Friends Part D. And of course, tonight, we're doing a show on Saturday night. Tonight was NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. A couple of good friends of the show were there. Including Pete Rosado. BCW's own Pete Rosado was there taking pictures for us. So thank you, Pete, for your hard work there. And uh, give a big shout out. To Steve underscore Mikaka? I don't know. Steve underscore M-I-C-H-A-C-A-209 posted on Instagram rocking his own, very own, Shot of Wrestling t-shirt. So thank you for the support, buddy. If you want to be featured on our Instagram and uh, social medias, snap us a picture of you wearing your Shot of Wrestling shirt. Don't have one? Slide into our DMs or inbox at Shot of Wrestling. Plenty of shirts still available. So get yours while they last. 
But anyway, folks, I can literally sit here all night talking about the Dolph Ziggler show, talking about my Atlantic City trip, talking about the reactions from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. But alas, I'm not going to do that. Don't worry about it. This ain't episode 129. We're running a type ship here. So let's move on right quick. This week, Green Man has an interview with Matt Tremont in his interview you don't want to miss. So Green Man, take it away. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another interview here exclusively on a shot of wrestling now you know we are on the road to boardwalk beatdown and like we say time and time again wrestling brings us together and today is no different today we are blessed to have on our show the bulldozer matt tremont welcome matt to the show man how you doing i'm doing good thank you guys for having me on Oh, it is, it's truly a pleasure. I have a short list of people that I've always wanted to talk to, and you've been at the top of my list, so thank you very much for joining us. It's an honor. No problem at all. Well, let's start from the beginning. I mean, on January 27th, the Knicks defeated the Heat when Jamal Crawford scored a career-high 52 points in one game. Beyonce continues her seventh-week streak on top of the Billboard charts with Irreplaceable. And the bulldozer, Matt Tremont, had his first match ever. Not much of a historic day, but in the wrestling community, it was a huge day because you began your career. Now, Matt, looking back at that career, is there a piece of advice that you would give yourself, like the current Matt today, give advice to the Matt of 2007? I would probably say just continue to do what I was doing when I broke in, and that was just be the best you know, human being possible and, and be humble and just work hard. Um, and, you know, if you do those things in the wrestling business, your talent will speak for yourself and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll do well for yourself. So I institute this, the same knowledge I had 11 years ago, uh, you know, to myself then and to myself now. Gotcha. Was there anybody around you around that time that guided your career early on? Uh, but there was a handful of guys. I wouldn't say anybody in particular, um, but the, the group of guys I broke in with uh, was under the banner called AWFR, America's Wrestling Fundraisers. Uh, guys named DC Laurie and Stephen Morgan and uh, Ron Starr and so far and so forth. Those were a lot of guys that were, you know, I was under their learning tree when I first broke into business. Gotcha. Now, you have been influenced by many names like Kevin Sullivan, Terry Funk, and Mick Foley. How did you feel to get into the ring with one of your inspirations like Kevin Sullivan? Uh, that, that was awesome. One of my, as you said, you know, heroes, idols growing up. So when, when you have the opportunity to uh, work with one of those guys, you know, so it's a dream come true. And, uh, you know, you get to sit under their learning tree and, and, and learn, you know, with them while you're out there working and before and after the match as well. Kevin Sullivan's such a nice a human being, and you know, was extremely nice to me. And you know, we've we've worked, uh, you know, quite a few times over the last few years. But great guy. What would you say you was the most important lesson you, that you learned from him? I just slow down, slow down, and mm. tell your story. Okay. Now, in doing my research, you're you're very big on. Obviously, you're known for the deathmatch scene, but you are very known for also telling that story, like you just mentioned, in the ring. What do you think is the secret to that? Because there's many people who just go out there, especially in the deathmatch world, and just want to throw shit at each other. They're looking to just prop up the next big spot for them and, and make a name out of that. But how important is the story? The story is huge. I mean, in wrestling in general, but especially in, in 
hardcore wrestling or deathmatch wrestling, whatever label you want to give it. That's what's going to separate a good hardcore match and a and a bad hardcore match and a good hardcore you know worker and a bad hardcore worker. You know that that is the big difference of going in there and telling the story and wrestling and implementing the violence, opposed to just going in there with no psychology and no story and not building anything up and just violence for the sake of violence and just hitting each other with stuff. That's the big difference. Gotcha. What do you feel is one of your most known stories that you put out there in the ring? I, I would definitely, I, as far as an, an entire body of work, yeah. um, the, the matches, the, the trilogy of matches just Nick Gage and I had uh, at GCW in 2017. Uh, we've never wrestled. There was a lot of anticipation, and we just went in there, and a lot of it was on the fly, working old school and just... Uh, having it be organic and, and, and telling that story in the ring. And the three matches we had were, were very violent, but, you know, told a story and, you know, provoked emotion. And, uh, you know, I'm very fond of those three matches. You broke into CZW in 2011, and now you're, you recently closed your time with them now in 2018. What would you say are your top three fondest memories from your time with CZW? Man, I, I, I had quite a few over the years. I would definitely say probably the top three would be, one, making my debut. Uh, I literally hopped the guardrail at the ECW Arena, CCW event in 2011. So I made my debut in that historic venue, winning Tournament of Death 14 in mm. 2015. Yep. And two months later, uh, defeated the Black Chiefs and would uh, then go on to hold the CZW World Heavyweight Championship for 399 days. I would definitely say those are my uh, top three fondest memories of my uh, tenure at the combat zone. So leaving the organization, I'm sure, is not an easy decision. So if you don't mind just walking us through what happened to make you leave the organization that originally gave you that platform to become who you are today. Well, 100% without the platform... CZW gave me you know, seven, eight years ago. I wouldn't have been, been able to do half of what I've been able to do, you know, in the business. So I, I owe CZW and, and DJ Hyde a lot for that platform they gave me. Uh, nothing in particular, you know, personally, where I had to make a decision to leave. I think uh, when I first came into the business, or at least when I first came into CZW, opposed to now, you know, seven, eight years later, I'm in a very different place. Uh, personally and professionally, and I, you know, I, I've accomplished everything really there, that there is to do to accomplish in CZW as far as, you know, professional accolades or anything like that, um, but, you know, eight years later, I'm in a, like I said, a different spot in life out in the business, and it was just, yeah, it was just, it was the right time to go, and, uh, you know, I went out on my back and, you know, gave somebody the rub and Dan O'Hare. And hopefully, you know, that makes him a star. So went out doing good business, and I, I hope nothing but the best. So it, it was uh, kind of like a passing of the torch to O'Hare. What other names in that roster right now do you think are the future of that promotion? Uh, definitely Big Scare Dan O'Hare. He's, he's probably number one. Uh, I guess as far as up-and-coming guys, I, I see Nance Warner is going to be there a lot now. He's on the rise. He's one of the best you know, up and coming guys, you know, going right now. Uh, and another guy, Mitch Fallon, he's, uh, you see him at CW and H2O. Um, I think those would be like the, the top three, you know, up and coming guys that you, 
something to definitely keep your eye on uh, as far as the, the in the land of the combat zone goes. Gotcha. And you just recently mentioned H2O. Now, you're a man who came from nothing when you started in the business, and now you're the owner of your own promotion, H2O Wrestling. You started a wrestling academy, and you're the proud owner of Bulldozer Collectibles. For anyone listening who is chasing a dream, what advice do you have for them? Humility and hard work. Um, you know, literally said when I my post-match speech uh, after my last match at the combat zone, you know, I, I didn't have a pot to piss in, you know, seven, eight years ago. You know, I, I barely had any money in my pocket, and, you know, to my name. And, you know, fast forward all these years later, you know, running a retail store, running a promotion, uh, opening a wrestling school, you know, production company as well. So, like, I, I got a lot of different ventures I was able to put my hands in. And that was, you know, hard work. You know, I, I wasn't born into a family with money. Nobody left me anything. Uh, you know, I, I literally had to scratch and crawl and, and working hard. I, I guess a, a little bit of luck along the way as well. But, yeah, just yeah, hard work. Uh, you know, stay positive. And you really, I mean, it, it's cliche to say, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to, but you really can, you know, you really can. Yeah. Now, talking about bulldozer collectibles i think it's really cool that you own your own shop um i'm in the retail business myself and i could tell you it's not easy um because you wear a lot of hats whether especially as an owner uh so what is uh let's talk about a little bit about bulldozer collectible what is your most popular item and what do you see as your prized possession in that shop um yeah, the, the store was always something prized going back to since I was 17, uh, I always wanted to open a you know, like wrestling-related business. Mm-hmm. And in that flea market, because I, I grew up in the in the Bowen area, and I wanted to open a business in that in that flea market itself. And I, I, opening a wrestling business was a no-brainer. It's, it's the one thing I, that I know. Um, so, you know, we've been in business about three years now. It's tough, you know, like you said, every day you got your, your peaks and your valleys, your, 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 your good season, your bad season. Um, so you, you'll go through your highs and lows as a business owner. Um, say, I mean, we pretty much carry everything wrestling related uh, besides replica title belts. Um, and usually always the best selling things are, you know, WWE, you know, figures, basics and elites and, and even the loose figures that will swell it in for a couple bucks. Um, but anything you can imagine that's, you know, pro wrestling related, WWE or even independent, you know, what we have and we're able to carry so we can, you know, cater to, you know, all different, uh, a wide variety of wrestling fans. Do you have any mementos from your match with Onita there? Uh, yeah, I got, there's a, a spot in the store where it's, I, I don't want to say a shrine, but it's like a lot of my, you know, personal memorabilia from, you know, my time in the business. Like we have a, a, a banner from the Anita match. Yeah. Uh, we have one of the explosion bats from the Anita match in the store. Uh, my 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 first pair of boots and original shorts that I used to wear are hung up in the store. So there's one section in the store when you know fans and uh, you know customers come in, they they can uh, take a look at like old event posters I've been on and ring worn gear and stuff like that. And it'll it'll catch people's eye. It'll bring them in and start a good conversation. That's awesome, man. And while we're talking about Onita, I mean, that was on your bucket list for a while. We 
saw you take to social media and call him out and to actually see it come to fruition finally and to check off one of the things in your bucket list too to go to japan get that sweet ribera jacket man that's pretty awesome how's the food over there uh japan was great and i didn't have responsibilities at home i probably would have stayed there and worked over there full time and the experience over there was great working with onita was great the process and the, and the journey getting to it and getting him over here and having that match. Yeah, I, I shoot called him out for a year and a half. I didn't speak to him beforehand. Um, then he finally saw one of the promos, and we got in contact with each other, and, and, and we made everything happen. And a lot of people were part of that process to make that happen, uh, because a lot of people thought we couldn't make it happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Onita hasn't been in the United States for quite some time, and when, it, when, it tried, when, they, when others tried before, it, it fell through. So we were fortunate enough to be able to, you know, make the once-in-a-lifetime event happen, get Anita over here, uh, wrestling him here, and wrestling him over there in Japan in a couple months' span uh, from each other. Um, you know, that time last year was probably my most memorable in the 12 years in the wrestling business, you know, I've been a part of. I owe him so much. He didn't have to do half of what he did uh, that he did. Uh, he's the legend, and you know I'll, I'll forever be in his debt. Now, as many wrestlers, you're also fans of the sport. Like, so going into that match, I'm sure you may have not been nervous, but probably were a little bit more excited. Uh, is there one spot in that match that you're the most proud of? Uh, I, I think probably just the opening of the match for me and him are one on one and face to face, literally mm. rubbing forehead to forehead. Uh, that was pretty surreal. Uh, still to this day, I kind of got to pinch myself that it, it really did all happen because as far as Deathmatch Wrestling goes, he's the legend, he's the pioneer. Yeah. To, to me, in my eyes as a kid, he was the he was the biggest star I ever watched. Um, you know, and to do all what we did still to this day is pretty crazy. Yeah. And you're going about the same steps that you did with Onita with now calling out Cody Rhodes. How confident you think you will be able to get into the ring with Cody Rhodes? More confident than I was a few months ago. Um, he responded they, back, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I put a graphic out and a couple other things out, and then he, you know, follow, followed me on Twitter and then has retweeted some stuff, and and now it, it garnered a lot of interest, and it, and it had to have kept, it had to have caught his eye because of the interest. Mm-hmm. I think overall, you know, with everybody sharing the graphic and tweeting about it, so he had to take some sort of interest, like, all right, who's this kid? Who, why is he calling me out, and why is there so much interest in it? Mm-hmm. So we had to have seen that. Um, you know, we'll possibly meet for the first time at Boardwalk Beatdown, because himself and the, uh, and the Bill Club will be there, so we might be able to meet for the first time uh, at, the, at the convention that morning. But basically, like, after Onita, I really didn't have any of the dream matches, and, you know, Onita I was a big fan of. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Cody Rhodes, uh, his work in the ring. And his business ethic outside of the ring, um, you know, he just he hustles hard, man. And he's, you know, I'm just just a fan of what he does. And you know, his name, his, his family's name, and his legacy. And uh, you know, just became a huge fan of his. And I really thought, like, you know, what after not having a dream match after Anita, Cody Rhodes was it. And yeah, I think uh, it's a lot more realistic than some may think. And you know, obviously he's tied to contractual obligations with you know, promotions he's involved with now. So, you know, hopefully, uh, I would say some, hopefully sometime next year, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. But I think the biggest thing with Anita and why it happened 
it was patience. You know, patience is a virtue, and I will I'll continue to stay patient. And hopefully, one day we will we will see myself and uh, Cody, Cody collide. Well, for those who are listening and have not gone into that social media and followed Matt Tremont and everything that's been going on, Cody Rhodes has tweeted that his schedule may be opening up after December. So you might not be waiting too long, just only a couple more months. Yeah. So that's exciting, man. That's really exciting. And I think uh, the people who are going to win the most out of that is the wrestling fans. And speaking of that, and we're going to talk a little bit about the um, the state of professional wrestling. I would love to pick your brain about it because, you know, Cody Rhodes leaving the WWE and this big boom in the independent scene with all the great talents that, that there are out there now and with all in just a few weeks away with Boardwalk Beatdown um, and so much interest in New Jersey right now. What do you think are some of the reasons that wrestling is so big right now in 2018? The last two to three years, the, the growth in independent wrestling and just the interest in pro wrestling uh, as a whole, I think is, you know, you can definitely see it now. And I think the, the biggest thing that I see, if you aren't, if you aren't successful now in the wrestling business, you just, you aren't working hard enough because there's, there's more than enough platforms and promotions and opportunity out there now. Um, that especially you know DIY you know doing it yourself, uh, you know you can literally do it yourself now and you know make yourself a name and make yourself a star. So you know there's just so many platforms and opportunities for people to be to be successful. If you're not, you're just not working hard enough. Um, you know the wrestling business. I, I wouldn't say a boom, but it's definitely a, you know very you know prospering time for everybody involved. You know it seems like everybody's doing good business and drawing good crowds and, and making good money and putting on a good product that the fans want to buy into and support and continue to support. So it's just it's just a good time overall right now for everybody in the wrestling business. You know, no matter what aspect you are involved uh, with it, it's just right now it's a great time for everybody. It is totally a great time for everybody. And I want to spotlight two promotions right now that are having a great time but are also – finding it a little hard to coincide next to each other. And I speak of CZW and GCW, both great promotions, a lot of great talent coming there that you're seeing in the WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling and ROH and the larger promotions. But what is the drama in Jersey, Matt? Fill us in. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, uh, I don't think it's as hostile as it once was, you know, six or seven months ago. But, and this is, you know, coming from a guy that was kind of caught up in the middle between a lot of it because I worked for both promotions for so long. I was, um, you know, both promotions heavyweight champion at, at one point in time. So I've been involved, you know, with both companies uh, during the highs and lows, you know, for some time. And, yeah, it was just, just a, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that, you know, you know, that should stay behind the scenes. And there's a lot that still to this day, a lot of the people on the other side of the guardrail still don't know about, and, you know, it's none of anybody's business as well. So it probably won't ever get out there. But I don't think anybody will ever truly know, you know, why the two promotions, you know, can or cannot coexist and do business together. And it's a shame because obviously it's what the fans wanted to see, you know, six, seven months ago back at Cage of Death when the initial incident took place. 
when the GCW stormed Casey Death after the after the show was over. Mm-hmm. So people thought it, you know, it was a work and it was going to, you know, lead to something, but now it wasn't. And I don't think it ever will, you know, from a fan's point, you know, obviously, you know, that's what they want to see. And, you know, it's a shame, but I don't think at any point in time, the two promotions will ever, you know, do business together. And it's just, sometimes it's just how it is. And and now I'm on the outside looking in because I'm not involved. Uh, with either promotion anymore. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it seems like GCW is doing very good and uh, very well on their own. Uh, you know, CCW is in a, a transition period where they're trying to find their vision and their identity again. Mm-hmm. The companies are on two different spectrums of where they are right now as far as business and their product. Um, but, you know, but both are still running they're and, and they're, you know, doing their thing. And, you know, they're, they're just trying to put forth the best product that they can possible. You know, GCW's been on fire for some time, and GCW's trying to do all they can to get back to where they once was. So, yeah, I mean, it's a shame, but, you know, politics and uh, drama will always come hand-in-hand hand with uh, independent pro wrestling. And the fans are the ones who are suffering, I feel, the most – because that is something that we would like to see. And you've brought up a valid point. Is that something that we may have wanted to see back when the invasion happened? When I think there was more of a similarity of product between both brands and you really wanted to see them go head to head? Or now that CZW is going through that transition or what I like to call it as a rebirth because it's really... At first, I was a little bit disappointed in, in the new direction it was going to. But little by little, I'm getting a lot more invested in the new talent and what they're they're doing. So I feel like it, it is that transitional period where you're going to meet new stars and invest in them. And I think they'll they'll be good in, in a few in, in a year or so where people are going to be buying back into CZW stock. But GCW is, you know, blowing up the game right now, man. And I, I don't think to your point as a fan, if right now is the best time to see both companies together, but man, back, back when, when the invasion happened back then, that would have, that would have been awesome. No, for sure. I think, uh, if they were to capitalize on it, it probably would have done some intriguing business and put forth a lot of, you know, pretty unique matches and, uh, and cards and shows overall. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you you never say never in wrestling. (laughs) That's right. I think, uh, at this point in time, I don't. I don't even think GCW would need to do it because they're doing so well on their own and doing creative and innovative things. And yeah. So I mean, but you know, like I said, you never know. Though. And you're you're an owner of your own promotion now. So do you see the value of like let's say H two O getting together with another promotion to kind of work on through some storylines? It um it really depends. See, um, if I look at it. H2O is a very young business. We've been in, we're not even, I think we're, we're two and a half years old right now. So we're still trying to find our own identity. So anything, I, I wouldn't jump at the chance to do anything in a promotional with another promotion because we're, we're still, we're still trying to establish ourselves. Unless that interpromotional uh, business was with a huge company and then the, that huge company that we would do business with, that could definitely get a lot of a lot of eyes on us and, and mm-hmm. continue to help establish our name. There's a lot of variables that will go into that, but I think right now, 
uh, I'm, I'm very old school and, and territorial in, in our approach as far as building the H2O name and, and brand right now. And, you know, within the last six months, we really have grown and, you know, moving into the building and you know, having our own home. We're running a lot more events now. We're producing a lot more content. So, you know, I, I'm slow and steady wins the race. I'm not trying to take over the wrestling world with the company. I want to put out a good, good viable product and, you know, good guys, a place to work that they enjoy where there's no drama and politics and make sure the fans are, are enjoying themselves and then create an outlet for guys to give them opportunity, you know, make some money and just, you know, be involved in what we love being involved with. But I think, I mean, maybe if you ask me that question a year from now, I could give you a different answer. But right now we're just, we're rocking and rolling on our own right now. And adding that wrestling academy to it is another facet on how impressive, like, your resume that you're building for yourself and the legacy that you're building, not just for for Matt Tremont, but the professional wrestling scene. Um, so you have the wrestling academy. If I wanted to join and I wanted to start my career as a professional wrestler and I came to your wrestling academy, what should I expect on day one? On day one, you're just you're going to hear a lot of me talking, <laughs> um, and because I, it, it, it's a lot more than just jumping into the ring and bumping around and, and you know learning how to bump and run the ropes and all that. You know, I'm going to sit you down and, and talk to you about the business, the ins and outs. You know, get to know you as a person and see if there's something really is that you want to jump into. Because um, if you're not willing to jump into it and give 110 percent and know what you're getting yourself into, this business isn't, isn't for you. Uh, it's a lot, you know, to, for at any age to jump into. You know, I, I started when I was 17. I dropped out of high school to get into wrestling. I, you know, still to this day, you know, I don't have a high school diploma or anything like that, but I worked hard and I told myself I didn't need this piece of paper, you know, to be mm-hmm. successful in life. And, I'm I'm one of those lucky and fortunate you know fortunate enough cases that you know with, without that piece of paper you know I'm able to make a full time living in wrestling at this level and not everybody can do that but you can as long as you put in the work so it's it's definitely a lot of me talking to you you know that first day especially tonight um, you know we're we're having our open house so we're gonna have a lot of new people come in and try out. And if they get through that tryout and they come back the, the later in the week or the following week and this is something they want to pursue, then I'm going to sit them down, talk tuition, talk price, you know, what, what's affordable for them. And if this is something they want to get themselves into, you know, when I jump in, I give 110%. I've, I've given my life to the wrestling business. And uh, I think if, in order to be successful, if you can juggle your other world with this world, uh, you know, a lot of people can make it happen now. So, yeah. you know, that's the biggest thing. And we got a multitude of, of various different trainers and outlets, not only for with H2O, but with standalone. So you're, you're coming into a family and a community uh, that's here to help you uh, excel and be as successful as possible. Yeah, and to be successful, like you said, you have to give 110%. And something sometimes that 110% comes with a price to pay and a sacrifice. Uh, so looking back at what you had to sacrifice, you sacrificed 
getting that piece of paper, getting that education that says, hey, I'm a high school graduate. Is there anything else that you felt you sacrificed to be successful? Uh, definitely, you know, I guess that, that, you know, teenage life and my, you know, my early 20s and I didn't spend it partying and, you know, hanging out with friends. You know, I, I think I, I still talk to maybe one, one or two kids I went to high school with. But, I, you know, time with family, missing events, uh, and just not being home a lot. You know, when I was 17, I hit the road, and I was training, and I was, you know, on this journey. So I sacrificed a lot of uh, you know, friendships and, and relationships uh, because my, friend, my best friend and my relationship is with the wrestling business. And you found a good girl to support you in the wrestling business now. Uh, what do you think is the secret of maintaining a relationship while you're being, while you're, you know, working the towns and working the industry? Uh, I, I, I am, I am very fortunate and, and lucky to have a lady that uh, supports it, and you know, does a lot more than just support it. Um, I wouldn't be able to do all the ventures that I'm involved with, you know, without her. It, it is a, it's a team effort between running our store running our building, our promotion, it's, it, it is a tag team effort. You know, I, I can't do half the things I'm able to do without her, and she realizes that, you know, I have a passion for it. She's not the fondest of, of wrestling. Really? At the end of the day, it, uh, you know, we met at a wrestling show, and, you know, it provides a living for us, and, and, you know, I'm able to pay the bills and keep a roof, you know, over our heads because of it. So, you know, she helps out and, you know, has definitely paid her dues along the way. She's put a lot of miles in on the road and driving. And, uh, you know, she's just as mu just as much a part of the business, you know, is as, as I am and has paid just as much as, uh, you know, dues that I have as well. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. I don't know what the keys are to success or finding that right person. You know, I just got lucky and, uh, you know, she's, you know, stands right by my side and, and helps me with anything I got going on. Yeah, I feel you, man. It, it's behind every strong man, there's even a stronger woman. And, you know, sometimes they don't get the spotlight or shine that they deserve because, you know, they, they support, they're supporting us in, in creating that dream and making sure that that dream for us is making it happen. And sometimes sacrificing a little bit of their own dream to make sure that that happens for us. So mad props to, to your your girl um and thank you to your girl and your family for allowing you to continue to to do what you do best you know it must not be easy being on the sideline and watching just a wrestler do what they do but then watching you matt tremont the bulldozer do what he does it it's insane man it's insane but thank you for that um, as we're wrapping up, I have to say, um, you know, I'm big into tattoos. I'm big into scars and, and because I feel like they are a permanent reminder of moments in your life. They're like a timeline uh, of your life. So what scar uh, on your body has the most significance to you and why? Um, I've, I've told it many times I was my, my left arm. Um, the majority of the scars are from one match. And it's, it's pretty crazy to tell 
Um, tell somebody that because they're you know uh, over 12 years combined of doing crazy stuff and you know your startup head to toe, but a majority of it is from one match, and that was the uh, Tangle Web match I had in 2000. 2015, no, 2012, six, even longer ago, Jesus. Um, so Web 5, CZW, like, uh, me versus DJ Hyde, choke slammed me off a makeshift scaffolding structure, literally through a spider web of barbed wire, and I got torn to shreds on the way down, and it ripped me from head to toe, on my arm, my back, my ass, <laughs> uh, my head, and it was about 136 stitches total oh, wow. uh, to, close, to close me back up. I had four nurses working on me at, at once while I was laying on a bed in virtual hospital to stitch me back up. So that was probably one of the worst, uh, you know, big bumps that I ever took. And still to this day, when I look at my left arm, I'm like, yep. <laughs> which which hospital by the way I, I think ccw must bring so much business to your local hospital which is the hospital you guys all go to uh for for the longest time i don't know about anybody else but virtual and Voorhees, new jersey uh knew me my knew me by my name i was like tim the tool man taylor I guess. <laughs> what do they say when they see you and they're like oh you again it, it's it's the wrestling guy uh the wrestling guy matt's back so for 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 a short period of time, they were they were seeing me quite often. Oh, probably man. between two two thousand eleven and two thousand fourteen, I was going balls to the wall, doing crazy stuff every show and every other show. It seemed like I was in there, but they they took great care of me, and they were uh, you know, they were a good good group of people. Yeah, um, the other part of it, tattoos. I got a couple. I think the, the I got a lay in the wall. And a big like justice hammer on my right arm. I got that when I was 17, and basically it was because I was a CZW fan. It was some of the lyrics from the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a cross on my left arm that I got when I was 14. No reason, any wow. no reason or story yeah. behind it. Uh, that other than I was a freshman in high school and I wanted to have a tattoo, and I was the first person in high school freshman year to have one. And then I got my last name. <laughs> Uh, on my right fo- right forearm, just in case I forget it uh, from time <laughs> to time, I guess. But I, and the and the yeah, so just the three, and the last one I got was well over ten years ago. So I, I haven't gotten a new tattoo in a very long time. Do you still have now, an and, itch for them? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. I mean, and probably one of the reasons why is because I do death matches was so often. Uh-huh. The three the three tattoos that I have are you know pretty much destroyed. And they're all scarred up from all the death matches. But now since I've slowed down a lot from doing the death matches, probably at some point, I think next year, you know, I've had the itch for a while, but hopefully next year I can, uh, you know, start getting some tattoos again and not worry, not worry about them getting destroyed in the meantime. Yeah, well, I hear a good buddy of of yours and good buddy to the wrestling community. Uh, Schlack is a great tattoo artist. He's fantastic. Or the- he actually just, tattooed my ugly face on uh on somebody's body so uh, uh a good a good uh, friend and fan of mine uh jeremy nickerson uh got a portrait of my face on his body so for for a fan to uh you know be that supportive of me to get my face on their body is pretty crazy and it was gr- great work done by schlack so it was very cool 
Yeah, we'll add that with the um, handful of titles and half ha- handful of tournaments that you've won. Uh, some of those those big accomplishments in your career. Uh, but we're looking forward, Matt. We're looking forward to Boardwalk Beatdown. We're looking forward to that convention where hopefully we will see the face-off between Matt Tremont and Cody Rhodes. And then after the convention, you have a match, a monster ball match. Brings you back together with Dan O'Hare. But we're going to add a little seasoning, add a little bit more flavor, and we're throwing in Abyss. Man, how does the addition of Abyss to the match that you've recently had with Dan O'Hare, what what could the fans expect from this match? Uh, definitely violence. One, 100%, <laughs> 1, 110% monsters ball. Um, the match, uh, this match with Abyss was supposed to happen probably on three other, three different occasions at three other different promotions, but it wound up falling through. Um, you know, I couldn't make it to one show because I was sick. Uh, Abyss couldn't make it to the last one. So, like, Ben Lund's finally been able to make it happen. And, and it's with Ben O'Hare. So it's just, it, it makes the match that much more violent. But Abyss is, uh, I've been a fan of him since I was a kid. Um, it was definitely one of my, you know, bucket list matches. So for, for it to finally happen, uh, on top of being in my hometown of Atlantic City, and mm-hmm. I've never wrestled in, in my hometown of Atlantic City. Really? So it's my, fir- it's wow. my first time. So, like, to wrestle in AC for the first time uh, and to have a big marquee match uh, on this huge day, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm very pumped up. It's, you know, one of my bigger matches that I've had have to look forward to for the rest of the year so yeah it's huge i can't wait i'm ready to rock and roll that's amazing man so with that said if you haven't gotten your tickets to boardwalk beatdown to breakout i don't know just go to standalone wrestling send them your money just i'm just literally giving them all my credit cards because you do not want to miss any thing that is going on that weekend it starts with dinners with the stars goes through the convention for boardwalk beatdown and then the Night of Breakout, the crowning of champions. I mean, this is going to be a great match. I'm looking forward to it. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on A Shot of Wrestling. If anybody wanted to follow you, where could we do that? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, at TremontCZW. You know, heard nothing but good things about the podcast, so I appreciate you guys having me on. Keep doing your thing, and thank you again. Dude, that means the world to me and to everybody listening. We're going to keep you around a little bit longer. If you don't mind, we're going to do last call. So hang out to the end of the episode. Is that cool? Sounds like a plan. Stay tuned to the end of this episode for last call with Matt Tremont. It's in the news with Michael J. Putty. The WWE family is saddened by the passing of Jim Neidhart, affectionately known to the WWE Universe as The Anvil. A world-class athlete, Jim set high school records in the shot put that stood for over a decade and earned a full scholarship to UCLA. Neidhart's physical acumen caught the eye of legendary promoter Stu Hart, and while training at the famed Hart Dungeon, Jim found love both in wrestling and in life, as he would marry Stu's daughter, Ellie. 
Jim would gain global popularity by joining WWE in 1985. That's where he teamed up with his brother-in-law, WWE Hall of Famer Bret Hitman Hart, to form the iconic Hart Foundation. The greatest team in wrestling, the Hitman the Anvils. <laughs> the combination of the Hitman's technical prowess and the Anvil's brute strength dominated the tag team division. The Hart Foundation, the big and bust, is back now! And their extraordinary connection with the audience has made them one of the most memorable tandems in WWE history. They don't pay me to think, they pay me to be like an anvil. Settle down, anvil, settle down. So many funny memories of Jim and being that crazy loud guy that he was on TV, because that's, that's Jim Neidhart. Neidhart's success added to the prestige of the Hart family legacy, but he took the most pride in the accomplishments of his daughter, Natty, who has been a driving force in WWE's women's evolution. <laughs> Do you know how much I love you? How much? A ton. <laughs> to fans, Jim will always be remembered for his trademark goatee and signature laugh. <laughs> but to those who knew him, he was a loving father, husband, and family man who lived his life to entertain. Yes, unfortunately, we start off some sad news this week. Jim, the Anvil Neidhart, passed away. As you all know by now, at the age of 63, he probably fell out of his house and hit his head on the way down. His wife, Elizabeth, told emergency personnel he collapsed while apparently having a seizure and hit his head when he was falling. He went to adjust the thermostat, and he turned weirdly as if he were about to dance, end quote, and he fell towards the wall and hit his head on the ground. She called 911 because she thought he was having a seizure. Apparently, he suffers from seizures and takes medication for that. His last seizure was back in December 2017, and doctors also believed he may have had Alzheimer's disease. Oh, that sucks. Emergency officials arrived at the house and found him on the floor with a four-inch gash on his head and blood all over his face. He was pronounced dead a short time later. It's always sad when you lose somebody, but this one kind of just is extra sad for some reason. You know, I wasn't the biggest Anvil fan as a kid. I liked the Heart Foundation, but I wasn't the big Heart Foundation fan, so I'm not going to sit here and say I was a big fan of him growing up. But I liked him because he was a character. You know, he had the, the sunglasses, the physique, the haircut, the beard, that iconic laugh. He was a character. He watched wrestling at the time. He always remembered who he was. He always stood out. And all these years later, we were always talking about the Anvil being a part of the classic, iconic Hart Foundation. Of course, the Hart Foundation 2.0 during the Attitude Era. Anvil was just awesome. He was great. He was very memorable in that industry. You need to be memorable, and he did. But more so for me, I kind of fell in love with the Anvil watching Total Divas, as stupid as that may sound. He was just a big character on that show as well. Natalia, his wife, would tell him to do something. Like, Daddy, you got to do this. You can't do that. He's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do that. Like, he didn't give a fuck whatever they told him to do. They would force him to try to eat healthier, and he'd get it all over his shirt. He was just didn't give a fuck. He wanted to live his own life. And uh, everyone loved him for it. You could tell his daughter loved him. His wife loved him. He was just a great stand-up guy. And it's uh, sad to see him go. And I'm behind on a lot of things on my DVR. Something I'm going to catch up on on my vacation. And one of them was Total Divas. I have like five episodes, six episodes left. So Sunday night, the night before he passed away, I watched Total Divas. And it was them getting ready for SummerSlam. It was Natalia's big title match. She brought out the Anvil's jacket he wore at SummerSlam compared to the jacket she was going to wear. She made him try it on. It didn't fit. Like, she's making him try to button it up. Like, it's not meant to be buttoned. She goes, yes, daddy, it's supposed to be. He's like, no, no, no. It, it wasn't barely able to get buttoned. So it's just sad. We hear the Shadow Wrestling extend our deepest condolences to the Nahart family, his friends, and of course all his fans. 
Rest in peace, big man. And one more time, let us hear it. In completely other news, according to a report, WWE is currently looking into allegations that have been made against Randy Orton. Back in 2012, former storyline writer Court Bauer told the following story about Orton on the edition of MLW Radio, and I quote, For every new writer that would show up, he would come into the room, put his hands down his pants, he would pull out his dick, touch himself, and then say, I'm Randy Orton, shake my hand. Oh, you, you don't want to shake my hand? You're a big league in me, huh? That's fucked up. Should I tell Vince, Steph, you won't shake Randy Orton's hand? That's not bad enough. In addition, comments made by Ken Anderson back in 2017 during a You Shoot interview surfaced where he claims, and I quote, one time I was in the locker room, everyone had left the building, it was just Randy Orton and I in the locker room. He was completely naked, came out of the shower. I remember him touching my boots, sitting there, and he kept dipping his cock in my boot. I was like, what are you doing? He was like, ding, just dipping his balls and his cock into my boot. He did stuff like this all the time. And we'd be riding around in the car. I'd be like, Randy, there's nobody else around to find this funny. But apparently Orton found it funny because he kept doing it nonstop, according to Ken Anderson. WWE responded to media inquiries and noted that they are looking into the matter, but it's believed there'll be no action taking. This past SmackDown, during a dark main event match, Orton approached some WWE staff at ringside and went to shake their hands. Everyone was laughing about it. Everyone was a good time, good old laugh. The whole group broke out. So this reaction, many people are taking that this could be a sign of how serious the WWE is taking these allegations. So pretty much note to self, never shake Randy Orton's hand during these meet and greets. If you see him in the restaurant, if you see him on the street, don't shake his hand. Please, the more you know. But we'll keep you updated if anything does come from that. In other news, Michael Cole took to Twitter to praise Renee Young on commentary. He tweeted, and I quote, words cannot express how proud I am of Renee Young. What she accomplished last night is not an easy feat. The chair's a tough one to sit in. She brought poise, professionalism, and a refreshing view. Renee and Graves were a great team. Thanks for helping me feel young again. Young was also interviewed backstage about her commentary experience, and she said, This man only spoke to me once. Just once. I mean, I'm sure he was kind of letting me get away with a few things, but yeah, he told me to slow down on a couple spots, but that was about it, and geez, that's the only note you get from Vince McMahon. Hallelujah, I'll take it. I think she did a good job. Hope she does it again. Move over to SmackDown, get rid of fucking Tom Phillips. But I asked you guys, what did you think about Renee Young? And you guys chimed in saying, Some of her calls were a bit monotone, and she seemed more reserved. Some shunning moments, but it seemed like someone was in her a whole lot. Hmm. But overall, she did a good job. That comes from one sweet wrestling podcast on Instagram. Lilycat85, she was awesome. Lord of Hate 316 simply said, she was better than Green Man. You gotta agree with that. Busta Crime said, I think she would do even better if Michael Cole was not there. It's only the beginning, though. See Corey 36 very good. Bit shy, but I give her 8 out of 10. So that's just some of your thoughts. Get involved in the conversation. We post questions on our social medias. Respond back. Your comments will be read right on the air. We want to hear from you. Well, then you guys, mainly from reading online, it's overall positive feedback for Renee Young. So I'm assuming they'll bring her back because the more she does it, the better she's going to get. So excited to see her next time. Like I said, bring her over on SmackDown. In other news, Daniel Bryan's status with the WWE has been a subject of much speculation over the last couple of months, as I have been reporting. However, Brian revealed on the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast that it is very likely he will, in fact, sign a new deal with the WWE in the next few weeks. His current contract expires on September 1st. He said, and I quote, at this point, it's 90 plus percent. I would say it's likely I will sign with the WWE. I have not resigned yet, but it could happen as soon as the end of this week. It might even take a couple more weeks, but whenever it is, it'll happen. So it's going to see Daniel Bryan staying loyal to the company that's been helping him out through everything. So... Well, we'll keep you updated on when, in fact, he does resign. But speaking of Daniel Bryan, WWE announced that the 2K Showcase mode will return 
in the upcoming WWE 2K19 video game and will focus on Daniel Bryan. Now, what is the 2K Showcase, you ask? 2K Showcase allows players to play through a single-player story mode that revisits major milestones in Daniel Bryan's career. Past showcases have included Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, DX, Christian, Mark Henry. Players will also hear from Daniel Bryan himself about the significance of each milestone and the objectives along the way. This year's 2K Showcase includes 12 matches, including 11 historic matches and one surprise battle, 15 video interview packages, as well as 20 video cutscenes, all designed to emphasize the featured moments. I love the showcase modes, so I'm happy to see he's back. They, they stopped doing it like a couple years ago to focus more on the career modes, but I'm happy to see he's back. I can't wait. WWE 2K19 coming out in October. In other news, no doubt, a feature of a future showcase, AJ Styles is in the news. As we first broke the news story on our social medias, AJ Styles has now surpassed JBL as the longest reigning world champion in SmackDown history. Congratulations to you, AJ Styles. Big, big news. See how long it lasts. Hope it does not end at SummerSlam. Hope it keeps going on and on. I think he's doing a great job as champion. In other news, there's been talk of Matt Hardy's shadowing producers to gain a better insight into their role, with many believing his future inside the ring might not be lasting much longer. Also, besides Matt Hardy, in addition, Jason Jordan has been doing the same thing because of a number of issues with him and his recent neck surgery. So, could Matt Hardy and the young Jason Jordan be moving to the backstage roles we'll keep you updated in other news i've been asked several times what the difference is between certain matches and it's hard to really give you a textbook definition of what the differences are but somebody is listening because a number of wb fans received a new serve right from the company in which they define some of their more extreme match types for example a hardcore match is defined as a wrestling match where disqualification counts and all other rules do not apply in favor of the matches that take place in both unusual environments and usual environments Use of many foreign objects is allowed, and these matches can occur anywhere. A no-DQ match is defined as a match where neither wrestler can be disqualified, allowing for weapons and outside interference. Falls must be made inside the ring, and there's less emphasis on the use of weapons, and often the count-out rule is still in effect. A no-holds-barred match is defined as a match where neither wrestler can be disqualified, allowing for weapons and outside interferences. Falls must be made inside the ring, the count-out rule is not in effect, and a greater emphasis is on weapons. And finally, street fight is defined as uses the various elements of no-holds-barred and no-disqualification matches and does allow pinfalls and submissions outside of the ring. Rope breaks do not apply, so having any part of the body against the ropes will not break a submission or a pin attempt. Well, that certainly clears things up, huh? In other news, USA Network has announced that it's picking up Miz and Mrs. for another 14 episodes to air starting 2019. USA Network says Miz and Mrs. is the top unscripted launch in more than seven years, averaging 1.7 million viewers during the first three episodes alone. The Miz reportedly responded to the news about the renewal with only one simple word. Awesome! And finally, in other news, sad news to report, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, passed away at the age of 76 following a lengthy battle with pancreatic cancer. Franklin made two notable appearances for the WWE first at WrestleMania 3 inside the Silver Dome singing America the Beautiful in front of 93,000 fans. I returned 20 years later to sing it again for 75,000 fans at WrestleMania 23 inside Ford Field in downtown Detroit. With your boy at Michael G. Putty and the Green Man, we're fortunate enough to be in attendance to bear witness to the great Aretha Franklin in person. Aretha Franklin is one of the larger-than-life names in the music industry. She was in movies, TV, WrestleManias. She did it all. She inspired a lot of people. Uh, it's a sad loss. She was battling cancer for a long time, so finally she's at peace. We here at Shadow Wrestling send our condolences to their Franklin family, her friends, and her fans. 
Thank you for your great music, and rest in peace. And now, here to sing America, the beautiful, the queen of soul, Miss Arita Franklin!
A shot of wrestling presents here and here. All right, folks, let's start off with Raw. Big heel. There's no in-memory graphic to the Anvil? What the fuck, man? Yeah, Ronda Rousey come out to say some spiel, but wouldn't it have hurt to just do a splash page in memorial to the Anvil? You mean do it with everybody, not the Anvil for some reason? That's fucked up. And then, hey, 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 what, 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 where, where's Mickey James? You know, why all of a sudden is she replaced by Alicia Fox as uh, Alexa Bliss's best friend? Well, what's going on? Where'd she go? I miss, I miss you know, some uh, Mickey James. And cheers, you know, I don't get fooled that often, but man, that Paul Heyman bit was great. It got me. I was suckered in. I was loving every bit of it. You know, talk about a long con. Was it two weeks in the making just to attack him? Just, just, just to get this cheap shot on him? I thought it was well done. It came off well. And oh yeah, you know, Dean Ambrose came back. In case you guys were wondering. And uh, sporting a new look. Liked the new look a lot better than that strangly wet, moppy hair that he had. So I'm digging it. Smackdown. Cheers to those Miz, Daniel Bryan, and recap videos. Man, this feud has been building up for eight years. This is great. This gave this match a big fight feel, like a WrestleMania feel to this match. Looking forward to it. You know, Miz is going to lose. But man, these videos just hyped me up for it. I can't wait. Heel for SmackDown. That that was your main event? That was your main event for a go-home show. I mean, you could have done that anywhere on the show. Top of the 9 o'clock hour. You know, it's your main event. I was expecting something more. And it kind of fell flat. This is the last bit of WWE programming we're going to see before SummerSlam, and that's what you give us? Mm, kind of fell flat. Yeah, I think I missed the mark for me. But that's it. Those are your go-home shows for SummerSlam, the biggest party of the year, and that's all I got. It's going to Lucha Underground. Cheers. Dragon Azteca Jr. versus Kill Shot. Started out the show. What a fantastic match. What a great way to start off a wrestling show. If you missed it, go back onto the YouTube. Check it out. Dragon Azteca Jr. versus Killshot. Whew, man. Lucha Underground is delivering in the ring week in and week out. Oh, man. Fantastic. And there was a trios championship. It was the Mac, Son of Havoc, and Killshot going against the Reptile Tribe, which was uh, Jeremiah Snake. I think that's his new name now. Jeremiah Crane. I think he's now Jeremiah Snake. The other guy. And Moon. Cobra Moon. Yeah. Nice. There's this one cool spot where the there was one person, I don't know who it was, laying in the ring. The other person from the other team wraps their legs around the person's neck. Almost like, I think they called it a triangle choke. So then while that person is applying it, the person from the other team comes up and does the same move to that person. And they alternate until five people are laying across the ring mat, alternating these triangle chokes. Whew. The Mac comes in, sees this, takes the original person by the legs, flips them over for a Boston Crab. In turn, the other five people flip over, reversing the pressure, and it looked like a, a modified human centipede. That was fucking cool. You don't see that anywhere else but Lucha Underground. That was fantastic. That was a, that was a nice spot. I appreciate that. Cheers to the drama that continues between Killshot and his partners, Havoc and the Mac. I cheered a couple weeks ago. I'm loving how the drama has been unfolding. Now, Killshot cost, spoiler alert, his teammates the trio's championships. So I'm very curious to see where this goes from here. I'll keep you updated. And there's, at the end, it was a big cheers. It was a brawl between Pentagon, Dark, and Cage. These guys just brawled all over the temple. They were going in the ring, outside the ring, in the fan, to the second tier of the temple in the mezzanine section, through the camera area. It was just nonstop mayhem all over. It was crazy. It didn't even end. The show ended with them still fighting, making their way to the backstage. Crazy, 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 crazy. 
So don't just check out the Dragon Estega Jr. Kill Shot match. Check out the whole damn episode of Lucha Underground. I was about ready to make this my pick for this week's program until I watched Impact. Oh, shit. First of all, Impact started out with an in-memory graphic to Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Appreciate it. Hashtag respect. Cheers. Sammy Callahan versus Phoenix. Start of the show. Another fantastic wrestling match to our wrestling show. Great, great match. If you have not seen it, go check out the Impact YouTube. Sammy Callahan versus Phoenix. It was awesome. It got me pumped up for the rest of the show. Which Underground Impact starting out with actually great one-on-one wrestling matches. Huh, who would have figured? Now, it pains me to say this. I'm going to cheel the debut of this smoke show. Cheel is a cheer and a heel, for those of you new to the show. I'm going to cheers it because I got to see Scarlet Bordeaux looking smoking hot as ever. Ah, what a beautiful, beautiful woman. I actually posted a picture of her on my Instagram and Twitter at MangaJPuddy for Woman Crush Wednesday, to which she actually liked it on Twitter. So I guess you can say things between us are kind of uh, serious. But heel, because it, that was it. It was a backstage segment with between KM and Fala Ba and didn't really do anything. Like, oh, okay. I thought it was going to be an in-ring interview or something. But that was backstage between KM and Ball that did, didn't really progress any storyline or do anything. So hopefully it comes back next week. Hopefully it's just, you know, treading the water, testing things out. But, you know, uh, I'll keep you updated. I'm cheersing because I'm loving the pairing of Austin Aries and Killer Cross. They look good together. They have a good symbiotic relationship. And, you know, not that Austin Aries needs it, but it's cool that now he has an insurance policy. His words, not mine. I cannot wait to see how this partnership develops and where this goes from here. Man, awesome. Now, the clip of the week, I thought about every single week. This week was only 5 minutes, 56 seconds, but it was a jam-packed 5 minutes, 56 seconds. It wasn't rest hold after rest hold of a boring match. This was utter chaos. It was some match. Both locker rooms cleared out. Don't know what that means. Something from England once. I don't know if it was an American versus England thing. They didn't really specify. They were fighting in the ring. There was fighting outside the ring. The big name by Kevin Nash, Dudley Boys, uh, Sting. Those fights spilled out to the parking lot. You had fighting in the parking lot. You had fighting in the ringside. You had fighting on the ramp. You had fighting in the ring. Pure and utter chaos. I'm intrigued. I want to watch this to see what happened, to see what led to this, and how it, you know, how it played out. But I cannot, because they didn't tell me the date. They didn't tell me the event. They didn't tell me anything. So I cannot go back on the GWN to watch this, because I have no clue what to look for. Please, you did it once. Josh Matthews did it a couple weeks ago. You told me the date. told me the location. Do that. Keep doing it. You're doing these clips of the week shit to promote your GWN. But how can you promote something where I can't go back and watch it? So please, please, just give me the date. Give me the, the event so I can go back whenever, if and ever I get this fucking network. Let me know. Please, give me the date and time. So yeah, I love Lucha Underground. But Impact, I think, stole the show this week. This week's Impact is my program pick of the week. Congratulations to Impact. Ah, fantastic. Getting some ratings. Raw this week drew a 2.825 million, which is down 0.75% from last week's 2.804. Raw was number three in the night in viewership behind Hannity and Rachel Maddow after a two-week run at number one. Raw, however, was number one on the 18 to 49 demographic. I guess Love and Hip Hop was a repeat, or it might be over. SmackDown this week drew a 2.189 million, which is down 0.36% from last week's 2.197 million. SmackDown was number six in viewership for the night behind Hannity, Rachel Maddow, Fox News, Fox News, Fox News. SmackDown was number one in the 18 to 49 demographic for a third week in a row. Miz and Mrs., which featured the birth of their beautiful baby girl, Monroe Sky Mizanin, drew up 1.162 million, which is down from last week's 1.225 million. The show ranked number three in the night 
1849 demographic impact. This week drew a 210,000, which is up 25% from last week's 168,000. Impact ranked 112 on the cable top 150. Last week, it ranked 127. So Impact, huge jump this week. And it shows because you guys got a great show. But that was it. That's pretty much wrestling this week in a nutshell. Looking forward to see what next week brings. On the post-SummerSlam shows, it got to be better than the go-home shows. We'll see what happens. Let's go go-home thoughts. SummerSlam, the biggest party of the year. SummerSlam emanating for the fourth year in a row from Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. On the pre-show, we have Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak for the Cruiserweight Championship. I can't give you a prediction. Can't tell you anything because I don't know anything. Rusev and Lana take on Andre, Cien Almas, and Salina Vega. Um, I would assume either Rusev and Lana either win or Aiden English cost them this match. We'll see what happens. Or did Aiden English cost them this match on purpose? What? The B-Team versus the Revival for the Raw Tag Team Championships. I would hope B-Team retains here. But give my boys a Revival a bone. That's your pre-show. Great matches for a fucking pre-show. Let's get into your main show, SummerSlam. Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. Does this feud continue or does Finn Balor finally get his redemption here? Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens for the money in the bank contract. I mean, WWE and the WWE Universe worship the ground that Braun Strowman walks on. So it's pretty much clear cut that Braun Strowman's going to retain here. But he could lose it by any means, which gives some hope, some light at the end of the tunnel for Kevin Owens to pull this one out. I'm rooting for Kevin Owens here. The Bludgeon Brothers versus the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. No one cares. Carmella versus Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Triple threat for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I wouldn't be surprised if Carmella retains here. Many people are speculating this could start a feud between Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. I agree. Carmella has to squeak out a victory here. Just for her character alone. So good luck, Carmella. Trish can knock him over versus Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship. Already in October for uh, Hell in a Cell, it's Jeff Hardy versus Brandy Orton. So I'm assuming that's going to be a title match. So I'm assuming Jeff Hardy wins here. But, Jeff, but Cheesecake just got it. But he's had nothing with it. Huh. I'm up in the air here. Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. I mean, is the writing on the wall here? Does Ronda Rousey finally get it done? They pull the trigger on her so quick. Talking about this a couple weeks ago. I don't care either. Ronda Rousey, Braun Strowman are the two biggest things going on in Raw. Hell, the W Universe. I don't care about either one of them. Does that say something about them or me? Does, am I wired wrong? Uh, who cares? Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. Please, please, please let Dolph Ziggler win here. Oh, I forgot to mention, we were at the Dolph Ziggler comedy show. Someone asked him about the contract. He, he was very evasive. His contract expires, I think, September 1st as well. And he said his future will be, he's looking forward to his future. But we'll find out after Monday, after Sunday and Monday's event, we'll know more about what's going on. So we'll see what happens. Is he holding the company hostage? Or is he waiting to see what happens at SummerSlam? Or is he just playing out his contract to move on to bigger and better things? I'm playing for Dolph Ziggler here. Dolph Ziggler all the way. He deserves it. He's been most underused, underrated guy. They treat him like shit. Finally, he's doing something. Please let him keep running with it. Jesus. Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Of course, The Miz all the way. But Daniel Bryan's going to win here. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. Many people are speculating that Samoa Joe will finally win. I'm going to pull for AJ Styles here because let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's see how long the streak can go. You're doing a great job as champion. Why, why uh, break it up now? And in your main event, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Now, this is the big question mark. What's going on here? This will decide the future of the WWE Universe, the future of Brock Lesnar. I won't be surprised if he retains here, but it depends on what his contract is, how his meeting with the powers that be before SummerSlam go. Is he going to work with WWE and UFC? You know Vince is going to hit hard on. He de- He's desperate to have the WWE Universal title walked out to the cage for his big fight. I think it was January. 
But will Dana White even let that happen? You're taking a big gamble here. I don't know. I'm going for Roman Reigns. There's a great article Erwin The Voice sent me about the whole Roman Reigns project. And if Roman Reigns doesn't win here, he's a huge bust. And uh, you're ruining him. So give it to Roman Reigns. Let him do something, man. Because your whole trying to get the crowd behind Roman Reigns worked well in Miami. It's not going to work in Brooklyn. It didn't work wherever the fuck they were last week. When you had the whole sympathetic attack by Paul Heyman. And then Brock Lesnar comes out to attack a wounded animal. And the crowd's chanting one more time. Yeah, this ain't working. Let's put it to an end. Let's get, let's get rid of this. End this feud. Let's end this storyline. Give it to Roman Reigns. Let a champion be on Raw week in and week out. Let's try that for the fir- first time in 400 and some fucking days. Oh, plus, because even Goldberg wasn't even around. So, first time since so Kevin Owens? It was like two years ago? Psh, shit. Raw sucks. Despite my views, SummerSlam, despite many of your views as well, SummerSlam does not look that bad in paper. Finn Balor, Baron Corbin's going to be a good match. Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens. Bludgeon Blood. Carmella Becky Lynch is going to be a good match. Cheesecake versus Hardy is going to be a good match. Dolph Ziggler is going to be a great match. And AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, if given enough time, is going to steal the show. It's going to be a match of the night here. And uh, it's going to overshadow the, the whole Lesnar-Brains match, but they don't care about that. So you heard it here first. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, match of the night. We'll find out more. If you have nowhere to go to watch SummerSlam, if you did not get a ticket, if you were not lucky enough to get a ticket, your boy at Michael J. Putty will be out in Long Island at a fucking wedding. But you can join other rowdy wrestling fans at the Crown Room on Bell Boulevard and Bayside, Queens. That is right. Our viewing parties are back. No cover. Food specials, drink specials. The Crown Room on Bell Boulevard and Bayside, Queens. Go check it out. Your bartender Anna will hook you up. So, yeah. What's he going to do on Sunday night? Summer. Summer Slam starts at 7 o'clock. Crown Room, Bell Boulevard, Bayside, Queens. But that's it for me here on episode 130. We're going to go home. Go to relax. I am off the next two weeks from work. So I get to literally do nothing but prepare and pack and plan for Atlantic City for standalone wrestling's boardwalk beatdown. James Ellsworth will be at a Shadow Wrestling's booth. Your boy at Muggsy Party and the Green Man will be walking around the convention, taking pictures, signing autographs, doing videos. So look for a big, tall, six foot six, studly, gorgeous, good looking man and a little guy painted green. Come say hi. If you're wearing a Shadow Wrestling shirt, we'll give you a prize. We'll give you something. I, you know, Green Man will give you probably like five bucks. I haven't talked to him about that yet, but if I said it on air, it has to be true. So wear a shot of wrestling shirt. Do Boardwalk Beatdown. Green Man will give you five bucks out of his own pocket, not mine, his own pocket. So Boardwalk Beatdown should be a good time. Looking forward to it. Now, my car I drive is, isn't that great. To me, it just feels weird when I turn it on. It makes funny noises. So your boy's going to break to his mechanic while I'm off from work, doing nothing, catching up on DVR stuff. And uh, if it passes the test, if he says, okay, I started driving what a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. My first long road trip, I'll be driving down to Atlantic City. So fingers crossed. Wish me luck. Hope the GPS fucking works. So I'm a little nervous, a little hesitant. So, you know, keep your fingers crossed. Say a prayer for Michael J. Putty driving down to Atlantic City because uh, a little hesitant about it, a little nervous. But anyway, here we are. SummerSlam 2011, okay? CM Punk just beat John Cena. It's not a spoiler. I'll talk about it on top of the show, so don't worry about it. Kevin Nash comes and power bombs CM Punk. Del Rio comes in, cashes in to win the WWE Championship. Now, two notes. One, did this lead anywhere? I remember Kevin Nash and CM Punk having this thing beef, but did that go anywhere? I think they had a match, but I don't remember what happened here. Let me know at MojJ Party social medias. I don't remember offhand. Something happened here. What was the, what was the reason here? Enlighten me, please. Note in two. Del Rio comes down with a referee, hands the referee the case. The referee says he's cashing in, drops the case, bell rings. Boom. 11 seconds later, Del Rio's champion. 
Fast forward to 2018 when Carmela is trying to cash in her money in the breaking briefcase. We talked about it on the show with Irwin too. The referee doesn't know, doesn't know what the fuck to do. She hands her the guy the case and he's like, what? 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 So props to the referee back in 2011 for knowing what the fuck to do, unlike here in 2018. But I digress. It's a good show. Check it out. SummerSlam 2011. Probably going to get better than this year. So if you don't want to watch SummerSlam 2018, watch SummerSlam 2011. But again, folks, that is it for me here from Omega Studios. The show is from the fans for the fans. So get involved in the conversation. Leave comments. Leave questions on our social medias for whatever we post. We'll read it on the air. It's A Shot of Wrestling on Facebook. A Shot of Wrestling on Instagram. Shot of Wrestling No A on Twitter. Great Man doesn't touch Twitter. So, you know, check me out. Twitter. Shot of Wrestling No A or at Michael J. Putty. I do both. Inbox at shotofwrestling.com. If you're not on social media, if you're the rare 1% that's not on social media, dial it up, 619-343-3005. We will answer all your comments, questions, or concerns. Also, Eric Jaden, the definition of authority and sexiness, the sexy Zane himself, is answering your questions for your love advice. So dial it up, 619-343-3005. If you have called that number to leave your questions for Eric Jaden, we have got them. Please be patient. We will answer them accordingly, so keep them coming. That show is going to come out sooner rather than later. That's all I got for episode 130. So thank you to Green Man. Thank you to Matt Tremont. I have been your host at Michael J. Putty. Until next week, until Atlantic City for Boardwalk Beatdown. Putty out. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last call at the bar. Oh. All right, everybody, we have made it to the end of the episode, and it's last call with Matt Tremont. Now, Matt, it's pretty simple. Rapid fire question. The first thing that comes to your mind is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? All right. Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Kevin Sullivan. Who has been your toughest opponent? Masada. What snack do you have a weakness for? Onions. What is your favorite adult beverage? Mm. What is the best feature on a woman? Smile. What is your go-to karaoke song? Uh, House of Pain, Jump Around. Ooh, good one. What is the most expensive item in Bulldozer Collectibles? Uh, the WWE Elite figures. Other than wrestling, what is your favorite sport? Basketball. What is your weapon of choice in a death match? Ball block that. Where is the number one place you want to travel to? Japan. Finally, how many bandanas do you own? Too many. <laughs> All right, Matt, you've survived last call. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, and we look forward to seeing you at Boardwalk Beatdown. Thank you, guys. See you then. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused, yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>